0: Ships have always been an integral part of humanity, and vessel types have ranged from wood to aluminum and steel. But how many of us can imagine a concrete ship? Well, indeed, concrete ships did exist. And there's one wreck on the shore of Cape May, New Jersey, called the SS Atlantis, that might offer us an understanding for why they failed. Today, we discover the story of the SS Atlantis and the fall of concrete ships. I'm your host, Ryan Sokash, and you're watching It's History. Concrete ship was built in France in 1848 by Joseph Louis Lambot, who invented furrow cement, which led to the development of reinforced concrete. Furrow cement is a thin wall reinforced concrete commonly constructed of hydraulic cement mortar strengthened with closely spaced layers of continuous and relatively small wire mesh. This mesh may be made of metallic or other suitable materials. In the early 1840s, Lambot Lambot started constructing water tanks using cement mortar and iron reinforcement, most likely in the form of iron rods, chicken wire, and possibly barrel bonds that had become widely available with the arrival of the machine age. In 1848, Lambot constructed his first boat using the same system, which he tested on ponds. The boat was patented on January 30th, 1855, and presented at Paris's 1855 World's Fair. Ironically, and not unlike the shipwreck in Cape May, Lambot's ship sank and was preserved in the mud at the bottom of a lake where it was put on display. An interesting fact is that the boat was actually recovered more than 100 years later. Into the 1860s, ferro-cement barges were used in many countries across Europe for canals and numerous numerous. numerous small concrete boats were built in England in the first decade of the 20th century designed in 1917 one of these three ships the Violetta is now a boating clubhouse on Medway River in England And perhaps it's best off this way, as the Violetta proved to be troublesome from the start of her career. After running trials off Gravesend on August the 5th, 1919, she was not accepted by her owners. Violetta was ultimately declared a loss and was laid anchored. Her engine was removed and converted to a later type installed in the coastal tanker Stargate. This makes her the oldest concrete ship still afloat. Things took another step forward around 1896 when an Italian engineer, Carlo Gabellini began building small ships out of furrow cement. The most famous of these ships was the Liguria. By the end of the Great War, steel shortages forced the US Navy to order many concrete ships. The largest of them was SS Selma. The SS Selma was a 7,500 ton reinforced concrete tanker built in Mobile, Alabama. It was launched on June the 28th, 1919, and had a length of 420 feet, a beam of 54 feet, and a draft with full cargo of 26 feet. Her loaded displacement was 13,000 tons. The concrete mixture was quite fluid to obtain the proper placement in the thin hull. And throughout the heavy mats of steel internal vibration was also used to improve consolidation although she will never sail again the ss selma is still quite visible today from the historical marker on pelican island These ships were built by Liberty Shipbuilding Company. Liberty ships carried two-thirds of U.S. cargo, thus playing a significant role as merchant vessels. The estimated cost per ship was $375,000. On April the 6th, 1917, President Woodrow Wilson declared war on Germany after several years of maintaining strict neutrality towards the conflict in Europe. Entering at the tail end of the battle, the U.S. was coming to aid the severely diminished Allied forces. To better transport resources, the U.S. needed more ships, so Wilson declared a mandate to produce new merchant vessels to help the cause, costing about $50 million. But even with the money invested, the scarcity of steel was still an issue, so naval engineers were tasked with finding affordable plentiful alternatives to metal. Surprisingly, concrete came to mind almost immediately. Smaller ships had been made out of the material since the mid-1800s, but larger scale cargo vessels were still a relatively new concept. So the government enlisted Norseman Nikolai Fogner to conduct a study of feasibility for bigger, more formidable concrete ships. In his home country, Faulkner had already built the first self-propelled ocean-ready concrete ship, measuring in at 84 feet and weighing 400 tons. This Norwegian ship was launched in 1917, but due to widespread skepticism by engineers and sailors, the Norwegian government had him construct it using his own money and required a sea trial before they would allow it to be used for trade. After the successful test of the first ship, The government permitted him to build more, but once again, he had to front the capital to make the ships. Ultimately, he would go on to build four more vessels. Given Faulkner's history, it's no surprise that his study ultimately endorsed the manufacture of similar vessels in the United States. So not long after, the US commissioned 24 concrete ships to help with the war effort. So how does concrete float? Well, surprisingly, the same way that a massive steel vessel floats with airtight compartments and a large hull. For added structural strength, the concrete was reinforced with a steel skeleton. Feasibility studies by marine engineers indicated that a supported concrete ship would be practical if the concrete had a compressive strength of 5,000 PSI. And although this technology is impressive, the ships were planned as a convenient solution but everyone knew that they would only be temporary. In 1918, R.J. Wigg, the head engineer of the Concrete Ship Project, would say, quote, concrete ships will be durable for several years and serviceable throughout the probable duration of the war. The upper limit of life expectancy is three or four years because of deteriorating elements. The present emergency calls for ships and their life is not of great importance at this time. Essentially, they were building themselves a disposable fleet. It was a weird solution, and the world was enamored by these ships. In fact, in June of 1918, EFC draftsman E.J. Tully was arrested for trying to steal a complete set of blueprints for a concrete boat. His accomplice Was a german agent who was later discovered to be waiting for the plans in new orleans they were unsuccessful and the american production of concrete ships continued the need to build ships rapidly increased during world war one and on april 16 1917 the us shipping board incorporated the emergency fleet corporation to build own and operate a merchant fleet for the u.s government the shipping board created by the shipping act of 1916 was the first body specifically charged with the supervision of the merchant marine the u.s shipping board controlled the emergency fleet corporation and carried out world war one and post-war merchant marine policy particularly a progressive building policy to set up new yards the largest of these yards was located on hog island near philadelphia this 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 brings us to the hero of our video and the first concrete ship built by the emergency fleet the ss atlantis the ss atlantis was a 260 foot long cargo ship powered by a steam engine she could sail at speeds up to 10.5 knots or about 12 miles per hour the steamer was launched on december the 5th 1918 with the ship's maiden voyage being a short trip to wilmington on the 26th of may 1919. after some final touches in wilmington where the emergency fleet headquarters was located the atlantis sailed to new york production pushed ahead but not fast enough to aid the war effort as victory was declared on november the 11th 1918 the war ended before the ss atlantis was finished but she still had one full year of active duty for example the ship made at least two trips to france to retrieve service members therefore the atlantis was primarily used to carry soldiers back home from europe but also shuttled coal up to New England for a time. Naturally, when the war came to a close, the shipbuilding program was abruptly halted, and the experimental ships quickly became a burden. According to some sailors, they moved too slowly, consumed way too much fuel, and weren't well-suited for transatlantic trips. Most sailors, suspicious of the technology behind a concrete vessel, referred to them as, quote, floating tombstones sources indicate that nationally only 12 concrete vessels were completed in 1920 the Atlantis was sent to the ship's boneyard at Pigs Point in Norfolk Virginia and salvaged for scrap the engines were removed the valuable parts resold and basically only the ship's outer shell stayed afloat while waiting for the right buyer this probably leads you to wonder how she ended up wrecked on the shores of New Jersey. In 1926, the Atlantis and her two sister ships were rescued by Colonel Jesse Rosenfield, a Baltimore entrepreneur. Rosenfeld purchased the Atlantis not for any grand voyage, but as a cornerstone to his plan in linking Delaware and New Jersey. His aim was to start a ferry line between Cape May and Cape Henlopen. Basically, he needed the concrete ship not to move passengers but as the first part of a concrete wharf with the Atlantis as the initial outlet Rosenfield planned to use the two sister ships as well digging shallow depressions for each so that they'd form a Y-shaped slip if his plan worked then ferries could slowly slide between the ships the Atlantis was towed to Cape May Point New Jersey to become a part of the concrete Wharf for the ferry service that would run there in March 1926 the ferry dock was constructed with groundbreaking ceremonies and the town celebrated this new enterprise only three months into operation and before the project was even fully completed a nor'eastern tore the ship from its moorings which resulted in the shipwreck we see today the boat drifted into the bay struck a sandbar and ran aground about 150 feet from shore though the ship had no engine it still had a caretaker aboard to make minor repairs so as the vessel moved seaward the caretaker rushed on deck and began waving a white shirt joe trolley an employee at a nearby saw plant saw the distress signal and rode out to the atlantis saving the caretaker and his cat from danger and hence this ominous shipwreck has been haunting the shores of new jersey ever since over the ensuing years several rescue attempts of the ss atlantis proved unsuccessful despite many tries the vessel couldn't be rescued the weight of the boat was the reason so she was finally consigned to the waves as a lost cause just a stone's throw from the shore of sunset beach and over the years just as engineers have warned the ship has become destined to disintegration Concrete ships were not meant to last long. They were too slow and not cost effective. Designers only gave them a few years of life expectancy and at the end of the war, steel once again became readily available. So now that the more efficient and trusted steel ships were back in production, low cost alternative materials were deemed insufficient concrete ships as a concept fell into obscurity the atlantis held together longer than anyone suspected but by now little remains first its hull started splitting by the mid-1950s the entire hull began to come apart and by 1961 it was fully divided in two These days, the stern can be spotted, but most of the concrete has been washed away. Occasionally, the bow peaks above water in low tide, but only ever so slightly. The middle part of the ship is permanently submerged, and with the ravage of time, it will effectively disappear. One interesting side effect to all this is that the wreck became a tourist attraction. And If you'd like to see it, it's best observed during low tide. Nearby parking is free with a few handicapped spaces available at Sunset Beach. What's more, nearby you will also find a World War II lookout tower and the Cape May Lighthouse National Park. That being said this shipwreck has also been on the dark side of tourism at one point people would dive into the water to look at the ship's interiors sadly this ended tragically when one person drowned so divers no longer explore the depths of the atlantis Another interesting event took place when an enterprising businessman recognized the hull as a prime advertising space and painted a billboard for his boat insurance company on the ship's side, which indeed is a rather ironic way to get that type of message across to fellow boat owners. Overall, the SS Atlantis has stayed stationed for over 90 years. Now the underwater wreckage is coated in mussel beds, teeming with sea bass, and rumor has it is harboring sand-polished Cape May diamonds the size of baseballs. In my opinion, the Atlantis is emblematic of a time when America faced desperation. Let's be honest, building a ship out of concrete sounds so absurd that if not for the imposing shipwreck, wreck littered across sunset beach you probably wouldn't even believe it to be true and with that i'd like to thank you all for watching encourage you to check out our new jersey history playlist and subscribe to catch new episodes every thursday and saturday until next time this is ryan socash signing off